Jackie's Christmas Sporting Selection Box. A sporting year like no other, a particularly special one for many of Ireland's top female sports stars and we're delighted to be in the company of some of them today. Joining me for the next hour as we relive some of the year's biggest sporting moments are Cheltenham's leading jockey and Grand National winner Rachel Blackmore, Solheim Cup superstar Leona Maguire, Olympic bronze medalist Emer Lamb, double gold Paralympic medalist Eve McChrystal, Republic of Ireland international and centurion Onyo Gorman and Meads All-Ireland winning all-star Mary-Kate Lynch. Yes, welcome along to all of you. Now, I know this show is called My Christmas Sporting Selection Box. No, I did not come up with the title. We're going to look back on the year kind of like a quiz with different headings being pulled out like a selection box. Now, don't be daunted by it because they're all questions that are multiple choice and they're all team questions. So none of you are going to be put on the spot. How are you all feeling about the quiz? Nervous. 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 <laughs> yeah, I was getting the sense from you beforehand. Now, I warned you that Leona Maguire was particularly good at quizzes. Does that put you under savage pressure? Not when she's on your team. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling about this one, Leona? We'll see. I haven't, uh, haven't been to school in a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, like I said, these are all multiple choice. And look, the point of this is really that we're trying to relive some of the magic moments of the year. And that's why lots of these questions are about you guys who have had such a spectacular year. And hopefully we get to relive uh, some of the magic as well. So look, I'm going to dip into the selection box for the first time today and let's see what comes out. Don't you feel like you're on winning streak? <laughs> well, the difference between that and this is there's no money, but uh, we are going to have a bit of crack. The first one in our selection box today is a question on rookies. Anyone have any idea who this might be about? Me. <laughs> yep. Uh, this question is about the brilliant rookie, Leona Maguire. She broke the all-time rookie points in either the Solheim Cup or the Ryder Cup this year with a total of how many points? Now, this is for the history makers. So, Rachel, Anya, Mary-Kate, this is a question for you guys. Rachel Blackmore, put that phone down and don't even think about Googling. Okay. So, how many points did Leona Maguire win for her team? Was it A, three and a half, B, four, or C, four and a half? That's very close to decide between. Also, it's only out of five. Look at her, trying to look at her face and she didn't flinch at any of those numbers. Yeah, she didn't even blink. Poker She's a good face. poker player. Good poker player. Do you want to give him a hint? You don't have to. No, don't. We don't want to set up precedence of hints this early in the, in the game. <laughs> <laughs> what do we go for? Um, I don't know. I don't know either. Th we'll go three, the first one. No. Damn it. Leona. <laughs> Four and a half. Oh. Four and a half out of a possible five. <laughs> like, it's spectacular. So spectacular that we're going to have to listen to this again. To this left, for the rookie for the first ever player in the Solheim Cup from Ireland to pop it in and get her first point on the board. They're giant killers. The Crystal Cup belongs to Europe in the Glass City. And against the odds, against the crowds, they've won and retained the Solheim Cup. Jackie's Christmas Sporting Selection Box on RTE Radio 1. Ah, that was so special. Can you take us back there, relive the experience? What was it like? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was probably the best week of my life. It was, it was incredible to... I mean, I was just happy to be there to make the team and um, obviously first Irish person there. But, I mean, it was surreal. The, the crowds, there was 130,000 people there. It's... Probably like the closest I've seen to it is like a football match or a rugby match or something like that. There was music blaring, there was massive crowds. 
We barely had any European support. It was all Americans, all dressed up, red, white and blue and USA chants and, and all of that. And it was incredible that to be in a part of a team, we don't get to do that very often as golfers. So that was really nice to have teammates there and um, to get drawn against the quarters. I think that first that first morning kind of was, I think a lot of people called it a, a baptism of fire and was lucky to have Mel sort of with me. And I think we kind of thrived on that. We We definitely were underdogs in that and kind of embraced that and... Yeah, to get that first point that first day, we kind of just rode the momentum and the adrenaline from there. You looked like you had an unbelievable partnership, like the crack you were having on the course. You just, even since then, I've seen you, you know, kind of bouncing off each other on social media. Like, that's a, an unbelievable relationship that was formed. Yeah, I mean, we barely knew each other before the week. Um, she's a bit older than me. And yeah, we didn't know each other at all. Beanie picked that one out of nowhere. I think we were both quite shocked at it. Um, but yeah, we got along so well. I think we... We had similar senses of humour. I think we just we just spent most of the week slagging each other off, really, and winding each other up. And it, it really just got the best out of both of us. We were both very relaxed, both very comfortable. And she trusted me a lot with her putting. It's something that uh, I was reading all her putts for, and, and she just knocked them in and hit some shots when she needed to hit. And, yeah, we kind of just went back and forth between the two of us. That was amazing. One question that I always wonder with a trophy like that when it's a team trophy, because if you think about, let's say, what happened with you guys, with, with me, Mary-Kate, everybody gets to take the trophy home. What happens with the Solheim Cup? Does it get to go all over Europe? Apparently there's three of them. One of them stays in Arizona in the Ping Factory. One of them goes to the LPG office and one goes to the LET office. So uh, we were told we could book it out if we wanted it. So I think Anna Norcos is booking it out next summer for a wedding um, to have it there, but... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big trophy. It's very heavy, and it was um, it was a lot harder to drink out of than we expected as well. <laughs> when are you bringing it home to Cavan? I guess I'll have to I'll have to book it out. We didn't get a replica, which was a little bit disappointing. So I might have to get Cavan Crystal or something to make me up one. I'm sure there'd be plenty of offers. Have you shared out the trophy yet? The Brendan Martin has everybody got their hands on it? Not everyone. I I don't get it till April. So and another girl doesn't get it till July. So we get it for a week each. So it's kind of it's going around now. I think Eamon's getting it for about three weeks over Christmas. We might have to rob it off him, you know, one of the days. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's making its way through the team. All right. I do think it's a nice tradition, and I think team events. Like I don't know if any of you were watching the. Salham Cup but like just you know the crack of something like that for a normally an event that's so individual to be able to have the team event we all into it we all watching it who was glued to it I probably just tuned in when when things were looking good and and to have such a successful person from here over there was brilliant yeah and I think look Leona I'm sure you got the sense of that that everyone in Ireland was watching this it was just like there's our girl on the world stage doing this thing it's it really is amazing when an Irish person does something that's so global yeah, I think we didn't realise it at the time, I suppose. We were we were kind of in a bubble over there. There was no European support, but it was when I came home that I, I realised it. And um, I think a couple of days after, Mom sent me into town for like milk and bread and whatever. And it took me about an hour to get out of the shop <laughs> because people were just stopping me in, in the car park and chatting about it. People that normally would never watch golf um, would definitely not watch ladies golf and sort of caught on to it maybe Sunday I think a lot of people did and then realised there was still one more day came home from work on Monday and watched it and it was on YouTube I think so people could could actually watch it that maybe didn't normally have Sky and stuff like that so um, that team format's just exciting I think as well and everyone was sort of buzzing from Tokyo and, and all of that so it was it was a nice sort of follow-on to, to that. Yeah, it definitely was. Look, there's uh, lots to chat about Tokyo as well, which we will uh, very, very shortly. But let's spin the selection box again for the second time and see what comes around. 
Yeah, I'm already loving that sound, lads. <laughs> I know you are too. So this is a question for the Tokyo Trio, for Leona, Emer, and Eve. And this is a question about Rachel Blackmore. She made history this year. <laughs> she's giving him the eyes here. You can't see it on radio, but she's really trying to psych them out here. Rachel made history as the first female jockey to win the Aintree Grand National this year when partnering Manella Times to victory. Who trained Manella Times? Was it Willie Mullins, B. Henry de Bromhead, or C. Gordon Elliott? It was de Bromhead. Honeysuckles was confer. Can, you, you can all confer, and you yeah. can do it out loud because we're not throwing this one over because I'm pretty sure Rachel Blackmore knows. So. <laughs> it's either Willie Mullins or Henry de Bromhead, I think. Yeah, but was the middle one for Honeysuckle? Rachel. It was Manella Times, wasn't it? Yeah, Manella Times. Manella. This yeah. one is for the Grand National. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Willie Mullins, Henry de Bromhead, or Gordon Elliott? Can we phone a friend? <laughs> if it's Rachel Blackmore, <laughs> no. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, <laughs> one. one. Willie Mullins. No. Rachel? It was Henry de Bromhead. <laughs> but I did ride winners in Cheltenham for Willie Mullins, so... Your, the name the name will be there in your heads. Yeah. Well, look, to be fair... My children will be disgusted. They will be disgusted because I know, Eve, your children were so excited that you were meeting Rachel yeah. Blackmore today and the first thing that you're going to be able to tell them is that you disappointed yourself in front of her. <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> I'm devastated. <laughs> oh, well, let's relive some of that magic when uh, Rachel made history at the Aintree Grand National. Rachel Blackmore jumps to the front on Minella Times, chased by a rank outsider, Balco de Flo. These two are stable mates. One's really fancied, one's a huge outsider. Minella Times at the last from Balco de Flo. Burrow Saint in any second now, and the only other two words who can give Rachel Blackmore anything to worry about. These four are clear now from Disco Rama and Far Class. They're on to the running now, down to the famous elbow. No female rider has won the Grand Rachel Blackmore is out in front. She's just ebbing away energy-wise. Balco Flow in second place. Any second now is back in third position. But one of the great Grand National stories being told on this cold April afternoon. Rachel Blackmore becomes the first female rider to win at the Grand National. What an amazing story. A one-two for Henry de Bromhead. Jackie's Christmas Sporting Selection Box on RTE Radio 1. Oh, it was so special. It's hard to know where to start, Rachel, with the year. Cheltenham, Aintree, it's just the perfect year. Yeah, incredible year. Um, you know, listening every time I hear back the commentary of the Grand National or, or watch the replay, you know, it's, it's just so special. Take me back to Cheltenham first. So six winners, leading jockey. Was it one of those weeks where everything just fell into place? Yeah, look, it was an incredible week. Um, you know, I'm very lucky to be associated with Henry de Bromhead Stable and picked up two very good rides as well for Willie Mullins throughout the week. And, you know, I've gone over there previously with, with very good rides. Um, but, you know, this week or the, the week in March, I had very good rides and just a lot of them got their heads in front and, uh, you know, the ball bounced right and it was an incredible week. When it starts with Honeysuckle, and that's a horse that you love so much, and it's like champion hurdle day one, Rachel Blackmore wins on one of her favourite horses. Does that kind of set the tone? Is that when you know, like, listen, I can, I can do this this week? Yeah, look, that, that was massive. That was on the Tuesday. Um, you know, she was favoured. She was unbeaten. She was favoured for the champion hurdle. That was really, really important. And for that to happen, I suppose, 
you know, took took a bit of uh, weight off your shoulders for the rest of the week. And yeah, look, that was just a fantastic moment to get her to win the champion hurdle. It was it was incredible, unbelievable training performance. And uh, yeah, I suppose that just took the pressure off then for the rest of the week. When did you get a sense that you could be the leading jockey? Um, I suppose you know things things in racing change so quickly and uh you know it's not until it's numer- numerically not possible for anyone to beat you is when you can kind of believe it might happen yeah it's funny because like when we were all watching like i don't know if any of you guys were watching Cheltenham but like when you're in the middle of it and you get a sense that again it's kind of like what we were talking about with Leona where the country is getting behind you and everybody's saying i'm backing whatever Rachel is on you know and i don't i know that that doesn't probably filter into you but like Eve I don't know when you're yeah. talking about your children at home and they're loving it are they saying Mammy look what she's doing for, for Ireland they're absolutely glued to everything that Rachel does it's that's all they talk about it's amazing yeah. what that does for kids yeah. though isn't it mm-hmm. they love it yeah yeah it's great to have Rachel in my house all, I listen to it all the time and for it to be female it's just phenomenal for my two daughters to have somebody like Rachel to look up to you know so yeah it's special. It really is. And then to go and not just do it at Cheltenham, to go and do it at Aintree and that race, the culture that's there with it, the history, the pedigree of it, going into it, how were you feeling? You must have been on top of the world even just after Cheltenham. Yeah, my my Aintree meeting, I suppose, up to then hadn't gone great. Um, you know, there's there's three days of a festival for Aintree and uh, yeah, things things hadn't really happened for me. But yeah, the Grand National, it's such a special race. Um, it's got a different feel to it. There's not as much pressure, I suppose, because owners and trainers know there's so many different variables. There's so much that can kind of go on. You know, every horse has a chance once they're down at the start. So it's just, it's a very exciting race to be part of. Jockeys are kind of, you know, wishing each other good luck. And yeah, it's, it's just such a special race. You gave me one of my favourite lines of the year afterwards. I don't know if any of you remember this, but you're being interviewed by Ed Chamberlain on ITV. And he says, you know, so many kids are looking up to Rachel Blackmore. And can you believe? And you said, I can't believe I am Rachel Blackmore. Mm. And I remember at the time thinking, her life is going to change so spectacularly after this because it was just, it took off, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, I hope I don't mess up being Rachel Blackmore now from, <laughs> from here on forward. But uh, yeah, like it's been unbelievable. Such a massive amount of support, um, you know, from my hometown in Killinall to, you know, all across the country. Um, people are so supportive. You know, my parents got a massive kick out of it. Um, I tried to ring my mum when I came back in after the race. Uh and couldn't get through to her, got through to my dad for about 30 seconds. He had to go, there was someone at the door or something. So, uh, yeah, like it was it was unbelievable. And, you know, it's it's brilliant when you can, uh, I suppose, you know, people, other people can get enjoyment out of something that you do. Yeah, it's funny. Do you know, when you mentioned that, I remember seeing your mom on the TV and the excitement. And I was actually thinking about your parents, Emer, when after you guys had won and they were suddenly like, oh, let's ring the mammies and let's talk to them and all. And just that feeling of knowing what it means to your families when you win is so special as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like I know, cause it was such like a buzz after we came off the water, we to go for like interviews and everything. It was actually took a couple of hours for me till I could get to call home and actually talk to my parents and stuff about it. And it was like 7 a.m. I'd say at that point and they hadn't even gone to bed yet. They were destroyed from just like the parties and the neighbours and everything. And they were still staying up like waiting for me to call just to like share that moment. But yeah, no, it's spectacular. Yeah, look, it's, it's uh, special for families to be able to, to enjoy all of it as well. Uh, let's continue our quiz in the selection box and spin it again and see what comes out here. 
Oh, and just as we chat about you, Emer Lam, there's a question here about you uh, on Tokyo Days. <coughs> so this is a question for the history makers, for Rachel Onya and Mary Kate about Emer Lam. She was part of the women's four team that won rowing bronze in Tokyo this summer. But what distance is her event, the women's four? Is it A, 1,500 metres, B, 2,000 metres, or C, 3,000 metres? I think it's two. Yeah. It's two. two. We're going to go with 2,000 metres. Good answer. Excellent. This quiz has taken a turn for the better. They've got their first points on the board. Well done, lads. Uh, look, you know, Emer, there's so much to talk to you about this race. But first, for anybody who doesn't remember the moment that Ireland won a first female crew to win an Olympic medal, here's how it happened. But Ireland are going for bronze. Ireland in bronze medal position now as they drive forward, leaving the British boat behind. Australia under pressure from the Netherlands for the gold, but Ireland in the bronze medal position and history is about to be made. Australia driving for the line. Second place, it's Netherlands. And in third place, it's Ireland. Never before has the Irish women won a bronze medal, a silver medal, a gold medal, any medal at all, but Australia win it. Netherlands second and Ireland are home for third and a bronze. And history is made as the Irish women's four take the bronze medal at the Olympic Games and rowing becomes the first sport since boxing in 2012 to win medals at consecutive Olympic Games for Ireland. And that is a terrific performance by the Irish four of Africo, Eva Lam, Fiona Murta and Emily Hegarty. Jackie's Christmas Sporting Selection Box on RTE Radio 1. Olympic bronze medalist. Has that sunk in? No. I don't think it ever will really lack, I think. Sometimes, yeah, sitting at home and then I can see the medals my mum has like up on her piano <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, but um, no. Have you watched it back much, the race? No, I think I've actually only watched it back once when we had to, when we went to the RT studios straight after the race. Are and you we serious? just stand there and watch it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I can't, I hate watching myself race. I get so nervous. And then, even though I know what happened <laughs> and especially that race, that race was such a mix of emotions for us, I think, looking back on it because... Like the result was incredible and more than anything we ever thought we would be able to achieve. But I know the performance we put in, we were actually kind of disappointed with walking away from it. So, yeah, it's a weird race to look back on, I think. It's funny, I was chatting to Kelly Harrington. She hasn't watched back to fight either. And I'm always astounded by you guys that you have so much success and you don't watch it back. Like Anya, would you watch your matches back? Um, I'd actually watch them back more if they didn't go well than when they do go well because obviously you have to analyse your performance and, and see where you can, can do better. But I suppose sometimes if you score a good goal and stuff, uh, you, you, you will watch it back because it'll be on some sort of social media platform. Yeah. So. yeah. Rachel, do you watch back your races? Yeah, actually, I've watched the Grand National many, many times. Um, but yeah, Ony is right. You would nearly watch your defeats more than, more than your winners more. Um, but... I really think you're missing a trick here. You should have had this race in a TV in front of her to watch it and yeah. <laughs> make her cry. Seen, I've already seen, had seen what the emotion was. I've already watched her doing that in Tokyo because we brought them in afterwards. And I remember you guys were coming in and I was saying, oh, you know, but you kind of forget what it's like for the athletes because you're just being, you know, hauled off. You know, you have to go to drug tests and you come back, you go into RTE and then next thing we say, stand in there, put in your earpieces, you're going to talk live to the nation. Like there, there was an awful lot coming at you that day. Yeah, it was like a whirlwind. I don't know what we expected. I think when we thought, got off the water, we thought we'd like be able to cool down, debrief like we would have after every other race, but it just wasn't like that at all. We were like straight away, we're 
interviews and then more interviews and then more interviews and then before we even got onto the podium and then we had to get onto the podium in these like massive tracksuits and like 37 degree heat I was dying <laughs> and then so we were like sweating through that and then had to go to more interviews again and we couldn't even shower like it was actually disgusting and then yeah we were off to the studios then straight away and trying to call home and then phones were exploding every time we went in and out of wi-fi and it was, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was. Talk me through the race itself, because you're the one who makes the tactical decision that, right, we're going to go for this. Because I know Afra Kyo has said she kind of lied slightly and said that, look, yeah. you were in a better position. How do you know when to make the call that we're going to go now? I suppose it's just, at that point, it's kind of instinct. Like, you set out a race plan before you go out. You know, everyone kind of knows more or less what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. But, like, you don't really know until you're in the race and what's going on exactly, how you're going to have to react. Like we were hoping not to be as far down off the start as we were. Um, so then going through halfway at the 1K line, yeah, Afric, I think, so we didn't lose hope. Afric said we were in fourth, I think, when we were actually fifth, borderline sixth. And then I think we were also lucky as well. We had Great Britain right beside us, so we could see that we were edging up on them and we knew we'd beaten them before. So we knew we had it in us to beat them, that we just had a bad start. So then usually we kind of sprint around 250, 300 metres to go, but I think it was about 600 metres to go. And I was like, OK, if we don't do it now, like in the Olympic final, when will we do it? So, yeah, we just put it all on the line and thank God it paid off. Yeah, it was amazing. I tell you, after watching you the first day, I came away and I said, I think they're going to win a medal. It just, I don't know, there was a confidence off you. The orange scrunchies, we have to talk about the orange scrunchies. <laughs> I loved that. Just, I suppose just that commitment to we're so Irish and we're going to go out there and we're going to do this on the world stage because you could pick you out immediately as well. Where did, the, where did all the, the scrunchy things start from? I don't know. Like Some of the girls just liked wearing scrunchies and then for one of the races, I'd say back at the World Championships, actually, the first 2019 World Championships where we, didn't, we actually missed out on qualifying there, one of the girls went and bought us all bright green scrunchies. And then ever since then, before every race, it was like a tradition, free race tradition, would go to the shop and would like spend a serious amount of time <laughs> looking at the colours and selecting which scrunchie we would get. And then when it came to Tokyo, we actually, because we couldn't leave the hotel, we hadn't like planned it well enough and we knew we couldn't leave like our quarantine hotel or anything to go and get scrunchies. So I was like browsing Instagram. I follow some Australian rower, I think, and she had a scrunchie on. And she had tagged it, so I'd like stocked that and I found like an Australian scrunchie company that I then had to message and be like, I have a week to the Olympics, can you, do you ship to Japan? <laughs> and thank God, she was like, yeah. And Unbelievable. So we got them just in time. Well, they were your lucky charm, that's for sure. The buzz that they gave Leona when they won the medal, because you were obviously coming into the Olympics and there was a huge amount of, I suppose, like joy around the Irish team. After they won that medal, I, everyone got a sense of it, didn't they? Yeah, it was incredible. We weren't we weren't in Tokyo yet. We were in we were in France, but even like seeing everything on social media and um, I suppose that's the special thing about the Olympics, being in in the village, the sort of camaraderie with the whole Irish team. Um, we were there when Aidan came back with his bronze medal, and just like yeah, we had like a bit of a guard of honor out like the front, and seeing those videos even back from the girls coming back and the lads coming back for the gold medals, like everybody genuinely wanted to see everybody do so well and. Um, I think people were nearly happier for other people to do well than they were for themselves. Like so, it, it's nice. And you go around the village and you you spot someone in Irish tracks, and even though you might know who they are, you give them a wave and how are you getting on and where are you going and and all of that. So it's it's definitely a special sort of team to be a part of. I loved that tradition, the clapping back into the athletes' village. I think maybe because people's families weren't there, Emer, it made that even more special that like Team Ireland were your family out there. Yeah, like it was literally that, like going back, 
And then just seeing people, yeah, people we hadn't even met before, like faces that we'd seen maybe on TV the odd time or something like that. And people were just so excited. Everyone wanted to hold the medal. Everyone wanted to like, just give us a pat on the back. And yeah, it really did give you like a bit of a family feeling, which was, yeah, which was missing in Tokyo. Yeah. So. It was when you guys did it in the Paralympics as well, Eve. I remember seeing some of the videos out there and just, you know, like just the joy on teammates' faces when medals were consistently coming back. Lots of them that you guys brought back, but it was just, it was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And we didn't get to the Paralympic Village until we were finished. Mm. So for us, it was like, this is amazing. You know, the, the games were over, but we just had two days because we were 100 kilometres more away in our own cycling was away from the Paralympic Village so we had that walk in with everybody it was just like winning the gold medal again and you kind of get you know that everybody's just so happy for you you yeah. know I remember Ellen Keane when she won the gold medal like we went absolutely crazy and that just gives you you nearly get confidence in yourself then when you see you know Ellen win is like right let's go you know so because yeah phenomenal great family feeling that's for sure yeah it was amazing do you watch the Olympics Mary-Kate? I was, I was following the Rowan, I actually watched yourselves and the um, Phantom McCarthy and um, Paula Dunn and like, so yeah, I, I watched a bit of it, but then between trainings and stuff, you miss it yourself, but yeah, no, it was a great excitement and you could see everyone was back and he, my mum was definitely shouting at the TV, so <laughs> for everyone, but um, yeah, no, it was great excitement. Yeah, it's because I think when something's on in the middle of the morning, Rachel, like people are getting up the next morning, they're watching on social media and everyone was all over it. It was like, oh my God, we won a medal in the middle of the night. It was like just such a, a bizarre games in lots of ways, but like there was a huge excitement around the whole thing. Oh, it was incredible. Um, I was out injured at the time, so I was delighted that the Olympics happened to coincide with my injury. And uh, yeah, I was really able to get stuck in, watch it all, follow it all. You know, it was just phenomenal. And, and for all the Irish to have so the success they had was just incredible. Were you into the Olympics, Sonia? Yeah, Jackie, I remember getting up every morning and looking at your little uh, <laughs> review um, on Twitter and Instagram as well. Yeah, and setting the alarm to get up and obviously watch Kelly Harrington. Um, fighting the final too yeah so it was really really special and um, I think it was great that, that we had so much success yeah you know what I think the Olympic Games is one of those special events that the whole world stops for it really is and look thankfully we had such a successful Olympics such a successful Paralympics such an amazing summer in so many ways and we have lots more of that to celebrate on the programme we'll do so in the company of Rachel Blackmore Mary-Kate Lynch Onyo Gorman Leona Maguire Emer Lamb and Eve McChrystal so let's keep spinning our selection box and see what comes out next now this one's a question on underdogs had a couple of amazing underdog success stories in 2021, but no doubt the story of the year from an underdog point of view, the Mead Ladies Footballers. And this is a question about Mary-Kate Lynch and her teammates and the super year that they have had. This is a question for you guys, the Tokyo Trio, Leona, Emer, and Eve. So Mary-Kate won an all-star as Mead famously stopped Dublin's five-in-a-row ambitions in the All-Ireland Senior Football Final. Which team did they beat after extra time in the semi-final? Was it A, Cork, B, Donegal, or C, Mayo? She's not giving away at in any way, lads. Dad's going to no. kill me. He's a big GA fan. <laughs> He's not going to be happy. Not for the semi-final, I don't know. Was it Cork Mayo? Or Mayo? Yeah, I think Cork or Mayo. between Cork and Mayo. Yeah. I should have good interviewing techniques being a member of Vanguard Shikana, but I can't read interrogation. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't a notion. <laughs> Any day now. <laughs> Get that ten countdown back, Rachel. <laughs> Should we go for Donegal just because that's what we don't think it is? 
This is a very risky strategy over here. You've bounced around from three different teams. I was going to give a hint, but I don't know if I'll give it away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go on. No. <laughs> do it. You're part no, of our team. We're no. winning one now. Never mind, I'm two against I'm one here. Huh? We go Mayo. We're going to say Mayo. You're going to go Mayo. No. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. No. Cork. Oh. Cork. Then yeah. Dublin played Mayo. And yeah, then Dublin. Dublin Mayo in the semi, the other semi. In the other semi, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, the semi-final. There's so much we could talk to you about with the semi-final, but the final. Let's relive this because this was, honest to God, one of the biggest sporting stories of the year. A huge, huge surprise story for lots of people, maybe except Mead. Christmas Sporting Selection Box on RTE Radio 1. Yeah, it really was one of the most incredible sporting stories of the year. How does it feel reliving that back, Mary-Kate? I get goosebumps every time I hear something that like replays it or, and then uh, tears nearly come into your eyes. I, said, I, I still don't really believe it all. Like, um, and anytime anyone says it to me, it's just like I have to pinch myself. As Porrick said, even in that commentary, you led from start to finish. Like it was such a rip-roaring performance. It wasn't like it was just, oh, you snatched it at the end. Like this was literally such a dominant performance. Yeah, like everyone was saying how calm we looked and like in the dressing room, everyone was really calm. Like obviously there was nerves there as well, but everyone was really relaxed going out into the game. And I think we surprised Dublin <laughs> and a lot of people probably as well. But like, I think they were a little bit rattled kind of at how fast we kind of came at them. So we said... We, if we were going to win, we'd have to be up on top by half time, and that's what we were. So, and to keep it the whole way through the game, we, we were, it was great. And it was literally from the throw in, like Vicky Wall wins the throw in, and then bang, it's just, it does not stop. It is just a relentless Meath train that lasted the entire way through the game. It was unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. Like, and people talk a lot about our fitness as well. And, you know, people are saying, oh, God, I don't know how they're going to keep that the whole, the whole way through the game. But I, I think we did. And I think the, the crowd definitely drove us on. Like, when we, were, when we were going up to the pitch, like, we were on the bus and we had a, a guard escort going up and they just split the traffic but everyone in the traffic was hanging out the windows waving flags beeping their horns I think seeing that support your family your friends your clubmates all going up it, it really drove us on as well The semi-final that game against Cork you're seven points down with three minutes to go and you're going out of the All-Ireland did you ever doubt that you're going to get across the line even in that game because it was that game was wild as well yeah I don't know like you, you kind of do start to question it like I said my thought coming into my head which was quite ridiculous at the time was oh god I can work the whole day Tuesday because I'm not going to be uh, training anymore like and that that was coming into my head because I was like oh disappointing like that training might end or whatever and then once we got the first goal I was like wait we actually do have time here we have time to get it even my parents were in the stand saying you know what three points is better than six points to lose why you know and I don't think people got up to leave and everything like uh, friends and family were getting up to go to another match let's say a club match or whatever heard the roars and came running back in so I don't think anyone really believed like that we could turn it around that quickly 
And then to do it in extra time in such dramatic circumstances, it was incredible. But everything that you've done in the last 12 months is incredible. The intermediate title last year was an amazing performance. Then you go and you win the Division 2 league title. And then you go and you win the Senior All-Ireland title. It seems that this, this Meath team just blitzes everything ahead of them. And you don't care what it is. I, I love that. Yeah, definitely. But I think a lot of it came from, you know, the, the previous All-Irelands that were lost as well. So we did have to work our way up to to get to those stages and people ask us a lot like what what was the difference between intermediate and senior what was the difference in your training how did you just manage to turn it around and I think when you suffer a heartbreak like that and then you start winning you want to keep keep going and as Amy Murray says he we were getting good at it at that stage so I think uh, yeah it was definitely just momentum and higher training as well yeah it's like I think it's just the culmination of all those years of it because I think when people look back at your story and they're thinking, you know, it's not that many years ago you're getting hammerings by some of these teams and just to have changed the whole mindset. There's kids in Meath now who are looking at All-Ireland winners who they never could have dreamed of five years ago even. Yeah, definitely to have those people to look up to, to the girls like yourselves, like that I train under 12 team back at home and you can see the excitement when I come down to train them now. You know, at first they, they weren't sure really who I was at first and then once the games start going on, they're like, oh my God, you can actually play football and you play in a team, <laughs> like, you know. So it's, it's great that they have those people to look up to and idolise like they all used to come to the games and when they saw Emma Duggan or they saw Vicky or Moira whoever it was you know the, the excitement and it's, it's great that they hopefully will keep a lot of girls in sport and enjoying playing the sport yeah well look I mean you're chief among those role models as well all star as well this year I know individual accolades we talk to people who play on team sports they say they don't mean anything but they do though they're kind of nice aren't they oh 100% like I, I still don't believe it look like I'm, I wasn't starting that intermediate game in the All-Ireland last year and I got my chance this year unfortunately due to one of the girls injuries which was so unfortunate at the time but yeah with the team there's some such a fight for places that you have to take with both hands when you, when you can and I still yeah don't don't exactly believe the year that I've had myself but uh it's yeah it's just been unbelievable the dubs obviously got beaten Emer you know I know as the uh, the dub on this panel you'll be feeling <laughs> that one particularly strongly but yeah and like listen I know we slag saying you're from Dublin or whatever but I do think when you see sporting stories like what Mary Kate and Meath have done you I think everybody can stand, stand back and say well that's just a brilliant sports story for the country to get behind yeah definitely like ev- like everyone's an underdog at some point in sport and seeing people who no one like people aren't getting the same support that might not be backed as much coming up and being able to show that they're still able to do it as well like it's incredible and it's definitely something for everyone to see that like if you're looking at people and being like they can do it like why can't I do it yeah I think that's definitely something to take away from it yeah I think that's something that everybody this year has gotten something from as well which is a brilliant um, message for a lot of people to have seen you know we've had amazing fairy tales we've had brilliant underdog stories and and lots of really really special moments to savour yeah let's spin the selection box because I think we're going to enjoy this next one as well And I think this is one that we can all enjoy because it's about magic medals. And there's one person in this room who has plenty of them. And this is a question about one Eve McChrystal. Uh, this is a question for the history makers, for Rachel, Anya and Mary Kate about Eve and her special summer uh, with Katie George Dunleavy. They won two gold medals and a silver medal at the Paralympic Games, the two golds in the road race and the time trial. But which country finished second behind them in both events? Was it A, Great Britain, B, Germany, 
or C, France? Jackie, I'm looking at Eve and she doesn't even know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> She's looking to the wall. And she <laughs> doesn't. Do you know the answer? I'm trying to think. Uh, Eve, are you serious? <laughs> but she won't. She doesn't care who's behind her. Exactly. That's true. We, we she couldn't care. see them. No they were cares. so far behind. Yeah. She couldn't see them. <laughs> well, you'll have to have a guess anyway. And then we'll tell. Can you repeat the answers? Okay, yeah, so sorry, wasn't the, the options are Great Britain, Great Britain no, Germany and France. Rachel's very adamant she here. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She, I just think it is. I think we should trust her. Right, go on, Rachel, go yeah. for it. You should absolutely trust her because she's absolutely right. Great <laughs> Britain is the answer. <laughs> Two nil. Go on, Rachel. Two nil. <laughs> well done. Uh, Eve McChrystal, are you serious? Did but, you really not know? There were, there were two different bikes. They were Great Britain, but there were two different pairings. So. Oh, yeah, sure. That, that, that counts so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, look, she obviously can't remember no. who was finishing behind her. Let's remind her. 300 metres to go. They continue to press at home, but they can start to savour the moment because it's gold medal winning glory for Ireland as uh, Katie George Dunleavy presses on towards the line. Eve McChrystal is going to pilot this one home and the Irish combination are going to take another gold medal in Tokyo. It's three medals in total. They'll get their arms in the air and it's gold and glory for Ireland. Jackie's Christmas Sporting Selection Box on RTE Radio 1. What a summer. Honest to God, two gold medals and a silver medal. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't believe it. We, we still can't. I think everybody here, you're just kind of pinching yourself and reliving the moments. And yeah, still, I don't know whether it'll ever sink in really, you know. When you were going into the summer, because obviously, look, you'd had lockdown. Katie had moved in with you. You guys had had, like, like everybody here, you know, the whole year was kind of torn asunder. When you were going into Tokyo, what were you thinking? Did you, did you feel like, yeah, we can come home with all these medals or where was your mindset? No, we, we both knew that we were physically capable of, of doing it, but we had lost the world title a couple of months before that. So um, I think... It's not that we went in, you're speaking about underdogs, it's not like we went in as underdogs, but we weren't going in as world champions. Yeah. So we had no racing through COVID. The only race we had was the Worlds and we lost it. So that was a bit daunting for me just as a pilot. But physically we knew, we knew our numbers, we knew we could do it, but you don't know what's going to happen on the day. Anything can happen on a bike in a tandem. You know, it's, it's tough in a tandem sometimes with mechanicals and we've had our fair share of mechanicals. So um, you just don't know what's going to happen on the day. But physically, we knew we could both do it if, you know, if all the stars aligned. And you'd won the silver on the track. So you already knew, look, we've done this. We've been on the podium, whatever. You know that on the road, this is your speciality. So are you feeling good? Are you, you th You're thinking, OK, let's go for this. When you win the first gold medal, then you have your eyes on the second. I know from just listening to interviews with you, you were saying, yeah, we really, really have this. Yeah, for the, ro the road race, K Katie loves to road race. Mm. Um, I knew that she really, really wanted that. She wanted the others, obviously, but she really wanted the road race. It was nice to defend the time trial and I love to time trial and she loves to road race. So I kind of had the time trial, you know, in my pocket and then I felt a, a it's the only time I felt pressure, I think, was the road race because I knew how much she wanted it. Um, it was lashing rain. It was a very difficult race, technically, for me as a pilot. I felt the pressure of that. I've um, been working for the last five years on, on power and looking at data every day. And after the first lap, everything went blank. So I had to ride the race on feel. So all your years of, of training and knowing exactly what power to put down, I didn't have that in front of me. So I just kind of had to calm myself. Um, Katie wasn't aware of this at all, but um, 
I just, I wanted it so badly for her. So I think because on the second lap, I think I just went a bit too deep. So I struggled for the rest of the race and I just had one move to make and had to make it at the right time. And that was going for the, for the finish. So when I made that move, I knew we had it. It's funny because when we were talking to Ema earlier about knowing when to make the move, mm. that's the critical decision because mm. it's in your hands as well. You know, you're the pilot mm. there for Katie. You know, she's relying on you to make those decisions as well. Yeah, now she makes the decision with me. I would never do anything without discussing it with Katie. So prior to the race, our coach had told us this is where you could go. There's a few places you mm -hmm. can go, try them, see what happens. And I knew we could go there. I just knew it. I could feel it in my bones. I knew I knew we could. And I had said it to her the lap beforehand, save your legs, we're going for the line, you know, with the one kilometre to go. And she said, okay. So she knew. She, yeah. she knew exactly what I was going to do. And yeah, but to pull it off, like you just don't realise, you know. You have these ideas in your head and you just don't know whether it's going to happen. But I'm delighted that, you know, we pulled it off. What was it like in the aftermath? Oh, it was just so emotional. Like, yeah, it's, it's so emotional. Like, I, I, you just can't believe that all the, the, the five years of, of all the training and then all of a sudden you're looking at two gold medals and a silver medal in your, your hotel room and you're like, Jesus, like, how, how did that happen? You visualise it and you think about it like day in, day out, seven days a week. It never leaves your head. Well, it doesn't it never leaves mine. And it's it's all you think about. Like I've given my life to it. You know, the kids growing up, you know, I've missed birthdays. I've missed first day at school. And then you're kind of looking at these medals going, that's what it's for. And you're just, yeah, so emotional. Yeah, I'd say you can all identify with that, Leona, though. You know, that's the pursuit of excellence, isn't it? It's just, it's it's above everything else. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to sacrifice a lot. Um Traveling over all over the world, and and like you said, you miss you miss birthdays, you miss weddings, you miss all those sort of big moments. And I think that's that's when it's nice when you do get to come back and you do win something, you get to celebrate with sort of the people that it's not only us sacrificing, it's it's the people as well. It's it's your friends, it's your family, it's your coaches, it's it's all of them that kind of buy into it and give it everything they have for you to achieve your dreams, I suppose. And. The medals, like Eve, you know, I suppose in some ways, like lots of people always say to me, it, it's not about the medal, it's about, you know, what it what it means. Mm. It's about the moment. But just watching the two of you together afterwards, you know, you think about what you did in Rio with the medals there, what you've done in Tokyo together. This partnership has just been so special. You guys have been world champions, Paralympic champions. How how does it work? What what makes that function and why is this partnership between you and Katie George Dunleavy so special? I don't know. I think when, when Katie moved in, we just got so close um, for those four and five months. Like we just, we do the same things every day. This, you know, every day we, I know what she's doing. She knows what I'm doing. And I just respect her so much as an athlete. I know that as a Paralympic athlete, she has, I think, a few more hurdles to get over than the, the rest of us. Um, and I see that, you know, I've seen her on our hands and knees. She's seen me and my hands and knees. We've been through it together. We've been through the ups and downs together and we've celebrated together. We've cried together. And I think, you know, when you're with somebody like she can't do this without me and I can't do it without her. So it's just it's a special bond. I just like she's like a sister. Yeah. Like we still talk all the time. Like we haven't, you know, speaking to her today, and that's it's just a friendship and it's a bond that we'll we'll definitely have forever. Well, it's a bond that has been incredibly successful, and it has just been a joy to watch you guys this year for sure. Let's spin our selection box for the last time and see what comes out this one. one.
All right, this one is called Christmas Crackers. This one is for the Tokyo Trio, for Leona, Emer, and Eve. And this is a question about Anya O'Gorman. Now, Anya and her Republic of Ireland colleagues recently defeated Georgia 11-0 in a World Cup qualifier. Who scored a hat-trick for Ireland in that game? Was it Anya, Katie McCabe, or Denise O'Sullivan? Denise O'Sullivan. Denise O'Sullivan or... It was Denise or Katie. Yeah. Like, I watched this. She's looking a bit giddy. I watched it. I don't like I'm that. I'm just saying it definitely wasn't me because I didn't even play. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Katie got player of the match, didn't she? Did Denise not score more? I thought she... Yeah, I thought she did. Or was there two, two of them? Wait, what did you say? A hat trick. I said a hat trick. Who got a hat trick? I thought both of them got a hat trick. Yeah. So did Denise get four? How many goals was there again? 11. Eleven. <laughs> Only one of them got a hat trick. If that makes it any easier. And Anya wasn't playing. Denise. So that's two out. It it's Denise. Denise. I think it's Denise. Denise. Denise is the right answer. Well done, lads. You did it. You got there. You Boom. got there in the end. You got there in the end. 11 nil. My God. Spectacular. Let's have a listen back to this as the Republic of Ireland finished off the year in style. It's Katie McCabe who delivers the cross towards the people. Oh! Denise O'Sullivan with a hat-trick. 6-0, Republic of Ireland. Well, there it is. It's all over here at Tallaght Stadium. And a resounding win for the Republic of Ireland. A record-breaking win for Ireland, for Vera Powell's Tallaght Tigers. Well, they've certainly roared here tonight. They have beaten Georgia by 11 goals. To know Georgia having to play so much in the second half with just 10 players. The hat-trick for Denise O'Sullivan. Katie McCabe in the official player of the match. But a big, big win for Ireland here. They have beaten Georgia by 11 goals to nil. Jackie's Christmas Sporting Selection Box on RTE Radio 1. Yeah, what a way to uh, round off the year in style with World Cup qualification in your own hands. It's, it's been magic to watch you guys this year. What's it been like being in the middle of it, Anya? Yeah, it's been a, a really special year, I think, and obviously topped off with the, the record-breaking win, 11-0 against Georgia. Yeah, like, look, I think there's a belief in the squad that I felt has never really been there before, and we're obviously building really good momentum, and it's been a historic year off the pitch as well, obviously, with the eco-pay deal, the Sky sponsorship coming in, and then on we're in a really good position in, in our World Cup qualifying group going into next year. And, look, you've obviously been there. I mean, you, you win over 100 caps for Ireland. You've played for the team since 2006. So you've obviously seen it when we've been at such lower points and, and all of that. What has it taken to get the team to here? Yeah, look, I think we've always had a good bunch of players and, and that kind of togetherness um, in the team as well. And I think we always felt like we were kind of under-succeeding and, and not getting the best out of the, the team we could. So obviously the stand in 2017 was a, is a big turning point, but I think um, the game's just really grown and, and developed since then. And obviously um, things are improving. There's a Women's National League in Ireland, under-17, under-19 league. And I think the players coming that through that now are, are starting to come to, to fruition and great opportunities for players to go abroad. You can only see the growth of the Women's Super League in England and um, the covers they even get on, on Sky Sports as well. So there's obviously greater opportunities out there for players to go and play professionally as well as um, improving the game here in Ireland. And um, that's um, coming to fruition now on the pitch and looking forward to, to 2022 and 
seeing if we can do something special and qualify for that World Cup. Well, like qualification for a major tournament, I mean, we've seen what it's done for the men's team. Well, I mean, Italian 90, I think anybody of, of a certain vintage in Ireland remembers, you know, the moment they were when they watched Euro 88 and then Italian 90 on the World Cup with Ireland playing on a world stage. For this Irish team to do that, can you put into words what it would mean? Can you even allow yourself to think about it? Because I know you're in the middle of a campaign, it's really difficult, but can you even allow the mind to go, God, that'd be amazing? Look, I think it's something you always dream of when you're a kid, when you start playing for Ireland, is to, to play in a World Cup, just like the girls over there, to go to the Olympics, get get Olympic medals. And um, like for me, I think we're only halfway through the campaign and there's still a long, long way to go. And it's we've obviously really tough games coming up, obviously Sweden away, Georgia away, and then we Finland at home and, and Slovakia away as well. So um, look, there's still a long way to go. And um, for me, obviously, there's probably not too many more years left in the tank. So Don't say that. Put <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll we'll just have to to see how it goes, and like the cliche says, just just take it one game at a time. But I think it would mean everything to to women's football in Ireland. You can feel the support the country um, is giving us already with the the games being live on RTE, and even all the fans in the stadium, and all the young kids that that come down to to you after the game and look for autographs. And you can see what it means to them, and if you can in, inspire the next generation, that's something special too. That's it. Look, and I mean, Rachel, I know that's what it's like for you as well when you get kids coming up and they're looking for autographs. It's the same with them. You know, if they qualify for a major tournament, that changes the game for all the kids in Ireland as well who can see that and go, yeah, I'd love to play football for Ireland. Yeah, exactly. Look, it makes it so much more visible and, you know, the game's been on TV is, is a massive thing. You know, you'd you'd have it on without even knowing it's on and, you know, that's, that's what needs to happen. Yeah, well, continued success, Anya. And well done, guys, because that means that you have officially won the quiz. Uh, Woohoo! Well done, girls. <laughs> I have to say uh, to Anya, to Rachel and to Mary-Kate, you didn't know loads, but you knew enough. We knew two out of three. You knew two out of three. Yeah, so that's not bad. Yeah, and for, two out of three ain't bad. Meatloaf um. had it. Yeah, he had it. He had it. But uh, well done to you. Well done to our Tokyo trio, to Emer, to Leona and to Eve. You guys, in fairness, they, they just didn't suit you. <laughs> yeah. It I, happens. I thought Leona was supposed to be the quiz master over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah, she was. Um, look, guys, you know, as we kind of round off the Christmas special, I suppose we've spoken a lot about your own sporting highlights, but when we chat about, you know, some of the other moments of the summer, what stands out? Leona, I know you were at Kelly Harrington's uh, gold medal boxing fight. You know, there's a couple of special moments that we've had this year that you'll just savour for a long time, aren't there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, for me, Kelly's was probably the highlight um getting to see it in person getting to see her afterwards knowing how much hard work she put in and seeing everything that went into it and just seeing that emotion I suppose there knowing that she'd achieved sort of her dreams and yeah that was that was really cool to for me to see in person and and to have that the rest of the team there and, and cheering her on and all the rest and I know that arena would have been full like she didn't get the experience in London like Katie did so um there was just maybe about 10 or 12 of us cheering her on so um yeah I mean that that was incredible and yeah getting getting to see that and I I know that was I suppose to see the scenes back in Ireland too us us seeing the seeing on Twitter seeing Portland Row and all of that on on the telly seeing how happy everybody else was and I suppose that's that's the big takeaway I think I'll take from this year is seeing the Seeing people happy again, see, having something to smile about, some something to root for. I think Irish fans are the best fans in the world, and I think you really saw the power of sport this year, with everything that happened this summer with Rachel and all of that. I think um, seeing seeing people with like real joy and something to to look forward to and talk to, 
talk about again as well, I think is, is special. Yeah, well, look, you know, Kelly's medal was just spectacular and what it meant for Irish sport. What else stands out for you, Emer, when you look back on 2021? What was your favourite sporting moment? Um, I'd say I'd probably be a bit biased and say Finton and Paul taking home that gold um, for the men's lightweight double over in Tokyo. I think probably being there for that moment, I think, was pretty incredible and especially probably just from knowing the guys as well, knowing the hard work they put in behind the scenes down in Cork, all the years coming up to it and like having watched Paul with Gary, having won the silver like at home, I watched that from home for in Rio and then actually being there in Tokyo when Paul got the gold, Finton alongside him. Yeah, I think that was pretty incredible. Ah, oh, they were amazing. I mean, just seeing the reception that they got from the world as well was phenomenal. They're just really, really special athletes. And look, it, I suppose it rounded off that summer in, in Tokyo, Eve, because I know apart from your own medals, you take such joy, you know, as Emer said, in watching your other teammates and what they did this summer too. I'm sure there's plenty of them will, will stay with you for a long time as well. Oh, there is, yeah. I, I think I have a very different sporting moment. So recently when Rachel won on Honeysuckle, that I had it on just in the living room. I was cleaning the house, I was on my own. And like Emer said, or no, was it Emer that said, you can have just a sport and, you know, the TV on and you don't even know you're watching it. So it was one of those moments when I didn't know I was watching it, but it was on. And because it's not, I don't know an awful lot about horse racing, but my kids, that's all we do. That's all they talk about. So I'm nearly learning from a 12 and a 13 year old and watching Rachel on the TV. So that's the height, height of it. But she won, but I knew she was injured before that. So I was like, that is just amazing. Like I thought, and I remember tweeting it thinking it was the consistency of Rachel, mm. you know, that she consistently performs and she came in after, I don't know what injury you had, your hip? Uh, my hip and my ankle, yeah. Hip and her ankle, but she still came back and then among the men and I was like a lunatic in the living room, roaring at the television on my own. And I just, I remember sitting back then after going, she is just a phenomenal woman. You know, to be racing against the men coming from probably a horrific injury that puts you on your bum for weeks and end, I'm not too sure. But I just thought, uh, you know, that, that for me, I don't know why that just stuck with me. And then when the kids come home, I told them. So it was like a story at, at, the, at the table saying, Rachel's after winning, do you know she was injured? You know, people are looking at her, the pressure that's on that woman all of the time. And as she said, like, will she be able to ever live up to being Rachel Blackmore? Well, like, she's after doing it. And it's just something we talk about in the house. So I know that might be very off topic, but it, it kind of hit, hit home to me. My head's going to burst out of the Santa hat I've on now, I think. Sorry, <laughs> but, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I just felt that way just because I knew she was come back from it. Was it your first... Race after your injury? <coughs> no, I, yeah, I, I'd planned to, so I got injured in July and like I remember it was in Killarney and I remember getting put onto the stretcher and I was trying to work out in my head when the Hatton's Grace was on because I knew that's what Honeysuckle was going for. So that was my, you know, I was trying to work it out. Would I be back in time? Also trying to diagnose myself what injuries I had, <laughs> but I knew they weren't great. Um, but no, I, I actually got back a month before, so I got plenty of... Um, plenty of practice in before before her but uh yeah it was incredible to get back and ride her and uh yeah it, it's amazing for me to be honest to hear things like that like to, to be that person that's um evoking that emotion in someone like it's 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 hard to even believe mm. yeah well look Rachel that's what you've done for people you know I'm sure at some point that sinks in but you know I think Eve does speak on behalf of a lot of people in Ireland who watched you this year and thought wow yeah, that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't get the house cleaned after that. Did <laughs> <laughs> you want me to go and clean the house? Uh, I would love it. That would be the payback. That would be the payback. Uh, Rachel, what was your sporting highlight of 2021? 
Um, yeah, look, there's there's so many. Like obviously Kelly, you know, we've talked about her. Um, it's just incredible. But just the Olympics and the Paralympics in general, um, the Irish success, uh, you know, being able as I said, I was able to watch a lot of it, get really get behind them. Um you know, as Ani said, set the alarm t- to watch things. And, you know, that was just, it was just a great, great occasion in general. Yeah, it was brilliant. Mary-Kate, what was your uh, sporting highlight, apart from your own massive success with Neve? I think I'm going to make Rachel's head even bigger here now. Ah. But, uh, <laughs> I'm out of here. I know. I think the way you won the Grand National, you know, and being the first woman to win it, like you just, you kind of represented everyone, every woman that plays sport or, you know, takes part in a sport of some sort. So I think it was just brilliant that, like, like uh, these kids like as well you know to give them belief you know that they uh they can do it like no matter if you're a boy a girl whoever but uh, no, i think that was brilliant yeah lads will never get her out of the studio for her <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah if you're going to tell me your sporting highlight was rachel blackmore we'll never be able to get her back sitting here beside rachel <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, obviously, look, there's so many amazing women in, in the room here. Obviously, Kelly Harrington at the Olympics, um, all the athletes at the Olympics, Paralympics. And I remember driving up, we were playing a match in Limerick the day the All-Ireland final was on and listening to how well Mead were doing against Dublin and kind of gives you that little bit of chills and, and you're actually just so happy for the players and you, you know how hard they've worked and going in as underdogs as well. So um, a lot to celebrate this year. Yeah, look, there was. There really has been. We have so enjoyed celebrating it. Um, in just the year that has been and just the fact that so many Irish sports stars did it on a global stage so I'm afraid that is all we have time for I would love for us to continue this chat for the rest of the day but people have uh, lots more sport to be looking forward to in 2022 but thanks to everybody uh, for listening I hope you guys enjoyed reliving some of the best sporting moments in 2021 just as much as I did uh, thanks so much to Rachel Blackmore to Onyo Gorman to Mary-Kate Lynch to Leona Maguire Emer Lamb and Eve McChrystal for their company wishing you all continued success in 2022 thanks also to Mark Dwyer and Kieran Cullen on sound to our broadcast coordinator Michelle Gibson and our question setter James McMahon and our program producer Adrian Eames. From all of us, happy Christmas and take care. <laughs> <laughs>